When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. This is a big day. This is a huge day. Tom learned to hook up his own shotgun mic in his office studio. I am so proud to call him my co-host now because he he mastered. I was going to say monstered, but he mastered some technology. Congratulations. You can hear me, and I'm told I look good, too. So, all that. What more could you ask for? Uh, uh, This is the podcast, the Talking Real Money podcast. I'm Don McDonald. That's Tom Cock. And uh, we're here to talk about a money subject of some kind, which is what we're going to do, because that's our job. And we're doing it. We keep fine-tuning the process. As you notice, there are no microphones now in the middle of the screen. Because we want this to look more like a, for the video production, a video production. We still have the headphones because we need those to hear each other. But otherwise, we've, we now have really nice Sennheiser shotgun mics that are out of the screen, out of the frame. And yet, you can hear us in high-fidelity audio. The Sennheiser get uh, something? I mean, are they paying us something for product I, no. placement? You know, that's why we don't show them. See, if we brought it down... Into the frame. Well, you, you mentioned that, them, though. So maybe they that, should pay something. Yeah, they saying. won't. And they charge a fortune for these mics, too. So welcome to our get-together. This is Talking Real Money, the podcast. If you have questions for us, by the way, please call them in at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255, or send them in at TalkingRealMoney.com, and we'll answer those on future podcasts or in the radio show that airs live on Saturdays in Seattle on Como Radio. Tell your friends. Today's topic, something that I have been grousing about, complaining about, for a very, very long time. And that is the dumb Dow. It's dumb, the Dow. The Dow Industrial Average? That's the dumb Dow. Yes, the Dow Jones. Transportation? No, industrial average. Okay. Which dates back to, in its current form, do you know the year? I know that it's been around 125 years. I guess I could do the math. Do the math. It'd be 1896. Sounds about right. Yes. All right. The first printing calculator adding machine was invented after 1896. And when you hear how they calculate the Dow Jones Industrial Average, you'll know why. This is why we, do we, I I know I hate the Dow. Do you hate the Dow? I hate it in that it gets, uh, people use it as a reflection of stock prices. I think it's a very poor reflection of stock prices. And you're going to tell them exactly why. Well, yeah, first, it's made up of 30 companies. Just 30. Out of all the companies in the United States, which number thousands. 
Almost 7,000, I think. The Standard and Poor's 500 index is, I know you can figure this one out, 500 stocks. Okay, 500. That's a better index. I'd, I'd prefer we use that. The Dow 30 is American Express, Amgen, Apple, Boeing, Caterpillar, Cisco, Chevron, Goldman Sachs, Home Depot, Honeywell, IBM, Intel, Jet, Johnson & Johnson, Coca-Cola, J. Morgan Chase, McDonald's 3M, Merck, Microsoft, Nike, Procter & Gamble, Travelers United Health, Salesforce, Verizon, Visa, Walgreens, Walmart, Walt Disney, and Dow Incorporated. <laughs> they got to put themselves in there too, because why go to work uh, if you're not? Actually, I think that's the chemical company probably, because I think oh, Dow is point. S&P, Thank you. Dow Jones. Yeah. yeah. But here's what's bad about it. So you'd think, okay, great. The the Dow is the value of those 30 companies, right? No. What's the biggest company in America right now? Well, depending on when you watch this, it's one of three. They kind of vie for position. It's got to be Apple, mm-hmm. Microsoft. Yeah. Uh-huh. Amazon? Yeah, there's, okay. there you go. Wow, look there at me. There you go. Right. They kind of move around. Yeah. They are, in terms of the size of their company, what's called the market capitalization, which is the total value of the company's stock. According to the stock market. The number According of shares outstanding market. times the share price. That's a right. number. Yeah. The number, the largest component of the Dow right now, and it's likely to remain that for a very long time just looking at this list, is United Health Group, which is not—I don't think they're as big as any of the three you just mentioned. Not even close. Yet the Dow is moved more by United Health's stock price than by any other. Because here's how the Dow Thirty is calculated. Now you tell me if this isn't a stupid way to calculate. Oh, it's easy if you've got it, no math meaningless, skills. Meaningless. Me- meaningless. Yes. It, you're right. Well, it's if you have if you have limited math skills, any idiot can calculate the Dow. Yes, that's true. What and you do is do. you go you go get the stock price of every one of the one share of every one of those stocks. Yeah. Add them all together. Okay. 30 stocks, add them all together. Take that bottom number and divide it by 0.147. You could even do that with long division, some of you. Take a while, you but need you a could do it. Yes. Mm-hmm. If you have a calculator, that's about a 12-second calculation, that last one. Um, okay, maybe it's two seconds. Which is why the Dow was used back in the olden days. Because can you imagine when you didn't have a computer and you had to calculate the market capitalization of every company out there? And come up with an average price. It You couldn't do it minute by minute, hour by hour, because you would have had to have a whole room of people doing this or writing it down on a piece of paper. So what it is, it's a mess. It doesn't represent the stock market. It makes no sense. And yet, we all continue to say, well, what did the Dow do today? Yeah. And so you're right. It is, it's a, it's, as I said, it's a horrible measure of what's going on in the stock market. Number one, as you mentioned, the very few issues. Number two, the fact that you add up the price of, so if Don and Tom Inc. decide to go public, 
and somehow by miracle, we end up on the Dow Jones Industrial Average and we decide, well, we'll have initial public offering of $300 a share. Now, all of a sudden, we're moving the market more than, you know, companies that do matter like Boeing. Actually moving the market more than any company except United Healthcare because yeah. it's $400 a share. So it literally doesn't make sense. No. And share price, this is an important thing to understand. The, the price of a stock is random. It means nothing. Let's say, for example, I have a billion dollar company. My company, all of its stock is worth a billion dollars. I can have, let's say, I, I want it to be the number one in the Dow. I want it to be $1,000 a share. So I issue a million shares at $1,000 a share. But I want it, let's say I want it to be more affordable. I want it at $100 a share. Well, I just issue 10 million shares. If I want it even cheaper at $10 a share, I just issue 100 million shares. I just so made my thing boom. Random. Very random. Yeah. So, I mean, but let's talk about, so you mentioned the Standard & Poor's 500, which if you want to own large U.S. companies, you know, I think that's a reasonable index to follow. And it is priced according to the market capitalization of those companies. So the big, huge ones get a lot of your money if you're putting mm -hmm. in the S&P 500, right? I mean, you end up with a lot of the aforementioned Apple, uh, uh, Amazon, Google's up there, Alphabet. I mean, so all those big ones take up a lot of your money. I still think if you're going to own one index, and we've said this many times, you can do it so easily and so cheaply. You can own the Vanguard Total World Stock Index in an exchange-traded fund for eight basis points. Eight one-hundredths of yeah. one percent. It's almost infinitesimal how low and it represents the entire global market and it works i mean i just looked at the numbers in 2019 the vanguard total world exchange traded fund made 27 percent uh last year made 16 percent this year it's up about 12 percent. so it's worked and you're represented by i think it's about nine thousand stocks instead of 30 so I see, I, I don't want to say indexing is bad. I think there's things you could do to enhance your returns a little bit rather than just own an index, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with owning an index. I just would not own anything similar to the Dow Jones Industrial Average. I would not own just the S&P 500. I would own a global portfolio. I would simply do it through Vanguard's product, which is very, very low cost and very, very, very diversified. And if you're in the media, and you like saying the Dow, you just like the way it rolls off the tongue, well, let's change from the Dow 30 to the Dow Jones U.S. Total Stock Index, which is 3,800 plus stocks. The number one stock in the index, Apple, followed by Microsoft, followed by Amazon, just like it's supposed to. And that will give you a better indicator of what the United States stock market is doing. We need to stop using the Dow 30, CNBC, Fox Business, Wall Street Journal, owned by Dow Jones. Shocker. But Dow Jones also owns the S&P 500 index. So what do they care? Which one we quote? They don't care. The Dow should be eliminated. It should be flushed into the septic system of history.
I was trying to think of other things that are 125 years old that still get the attention that the Dow Jones Industrial Average does. Did you think I, of a thing? I couldn't think of one. <laughs> I, could, I can't I, either. So that's a long time ago. And the fact that you can add it all up and with simple division, figure out the price really well, does show you that it lacks the sophistication it should if see. people are going to follow it to say, here's what the stock market is doing. Let's see, 125 years ago, the primary 1896 form of, for the, the primary attention. form of short distance transportation was horses. Yeah. We don't use those as much. The primary <laughs> much. method of long distance transportation was trains. Yeah. We don't use those very much. Mm-mm. The number one way of preserving and keeping food fresh was the Iceman. Who wandered by with his truck? And if you needed to communicate someone across the country, it was dit, 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 dot, you know, dots and dashes. I, yeah, and you could, so. really because the phone, the telephone, you couldn't make a long distance call yet. You were lucky if you could make a call across the street. So all of this stuff is gone, and the Dow lingers on. Really? Is it? Is why is that such an important habit? I don't get it. It needs to go. Thinking about starting a movement. If you would like to join the movement, let me know. Send me a note at talkingrealmoney.com. We're going to start a dump the dumb Dow movement. Dump the dumb Dow. I, I give me a placard and I'm gotta, all over it. I got to get another mic arm. This one has too many springs in it. So when I hit my table, it gives it, it the point of emphasis it deserves. Yeah, I don't want right. that kind of so emphasis. Dumping all right, the Dow, we got it. We got it. You want any questions? Sure. In this episode, I'm always up for a question. All right. How about this one? Variable annuity investors outperform mutual fund investors. Hmm, really? Yeah, sure. Saw a financial advisor I know post the following article on LinkedIn. Do you think variable annuity investors perform better because of the surrender fee restricting their movements and emotions? Is the provider biased? Please let us know on a future podcast. Well, okay, let's talk. <laughs> let's pull that apart a little bit. First of all, when you own a variable annuity, there are certainly costs that are well above a, well, I just mentioned an exchange traded fund you can own for eight basis points. So not even knowing the expense ratio of the funds inside the variable annuity, there are additional costs in a variable annuity. So the idea that you would outperform because your behavior is fixed is fairly ludicrous, really. It's it's but it is the excuse that most annuity salespeople use to justify a surrender charge. Now let's talk about what a surrender charge really is, which this article did not do, by the way. Um and and also, by the way, they the the annuity the insurance industry hired Dalbar to make this number these numbers work for them. And I'm not going to go any farther than that. But they paid for these results. So yeah, could these results be biased? Yeah, but this business of a of a uh, of a surrender fee being good for you that's ludicrous. Here's what the surrender fee is designed to do to reimburse the insurance company for the huge commission they paid the person who sold you that product. 
period. No question. I, I, there is no other reason to have one. If and it's the not fee- there to fix your behavior, let's just put it that way. I don't care what their 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 uh, study shows. The fact of the matter is, if you have an identical investment portfolio, let's just use the S&P 500, for example. You have the S&P 500 over here in your regular account through Vanguard at less than one-tenth of 1% per year total fees and expenses. And you have a fund that's equivalent to the S&P 500, but it's actively managed, which most of them are in variable annuities. And it's inside a variable annuity, so there are all kinds of contractual fees associated with it. And those fees can run as high as 3% per year. So therefore, given the exact same portfolios, which one is going to make you more money with the same level of risk? That's what we call in the business a no-brainer. There's actually a paper. I want you to go look this up. It's It's a one sheet by a Nobel Prize winner. It's called The Arithmetic of Active Management. And this paper will prove through mathematics that it is impossible for active managers to beat the market. And that includes variable annuity managers, sub-account managers. So thanks for that question. And yeah, it's definitely biased. 855-935-TALK is our phone number, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can leave questions there. You can also send them in at TalkingRealMoney.com, which most of you do. Thanks for joining us for this podcast. I'm Don McDonald. Tom's over there in his office, hanging out, talking real money. Talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?